about that time, about that time, about that time, yeah, about that time. Welcome to the jungle, the Auburn men's basketball podcast. And pick it up right where Kessler left off, it's Broome with the block. Auburn men, talking Auburn men's basketball. We missed you, the jungle is already in mid-season form. No feelings, no gimmicks. Just ball. Benny Johnson in transition. Now, here's your host, Matt Donaldson and Jackson Garrett. Welcome to the Jungle Auburn Basketball Podcast. Uh, I am here with Ben Young to recap a 72 to 64 win for you. I'm, I'm sorry, Matt. We've got to we've got to go all the way back to the beginning. We got to get all right. <laughs> <laughs> I, did, I, I intentionally didn't do it, and you brought it back, so good job. Um, all right. Still your podcast, Jackson. Yeah, shout out to Jackson. Uh, 72 to 64. This was – we have a lot to talk about. We're going to try to do it quickly. Um, really ugly game. Uh, Auburn was down at halftime. If you're familiar with the quad system and how that works for NCAA tournament, this was a quad four game. Auburn only had – three or four of these this year and non, you know, in the season schedule. And so this is one Auburn really couldn't afford to lose. If you were looking ahead for seating and resumes and all that stuff, they survived it, came back in the second half one. And uh, I guess let's start with the MVP uh, to focus on the good. And then we'll talk about plenty of bad uh, again, Auburn's nine and one, another win. Yay. Non-conference uh, win home winning streak, still alive uh, third or fourth longest home winning streak period in the country uh haven't lost in a couple years at home all that's still alive yay auburn Woo, my guy my guy jalen williams the only no calm doubt. player on the floor at times tonight 20 points on 11 shots maximum efficiency hit his free throws eight rebounds he had three or four blocks no turnovers just a clean game on a night when nobody played a clean game i thought he made the the long port pass to Flanagan at the end on a dunk that kind of oh, uh, helped yeah. seal it. So I, for me, he's the MVP. Wendell and Trey played great. We're going to talk about them. Uh, thoughts on Jalen tonight? I mean, yeah, you want to hand it to Wendell. Uh, Wendell came alive in the second half in a way that we really needed. Wendell was extremely valuable for us at the free throw line. Yep. But when you talk about scoring in the rhythm of the game, that was Jalen Williams all night, but particularly in the second half when we needed it. He found the soft underbelly of their defense and exploited it to the hilt for a season-high 20 points, eight rebounds, three blocks, one steal, one assist. Once again, Jalen Williams loading the stat sheet. He is our MVP. Yeah, I think it has to be him. Uh, we don't win this game without Jalen, that's for sure, uh, or without Wendell, sorry. And maybe we can talk about him at the point guard spot. Um, he got to the line early. He got to the line often. He made most of his free throws till the very end. He missed a couple late. But I think one of the huge storylines we have to talk about, he played great tonight. Um, I thought he was one of the only aggressive offensive players on the floor, and you want that out of your point guard. Um, but he goes down with what kind of looked like a nothing – a guy kind of ran into his ankle. But, I mean, he was limping off without a shoe on and needed help from the trainers. Like, you know, we play USC in three or four days. Um so Yeah, that's going to be something to watch going forward for sure. Um, yeah. The only reason that it doesn't give me a ton of concern is I think we found finally the backup point guard that we've been looking for since we moved Zep full-time to the two. Uh, we'll talk about that in a little bit, but before we move away from Wendell, we have to talk about, again, the maturation of a young guard 
And Wendell's not a young guard anymore. He scored his thousandth point tonight. Yep. Uh, so shout outs, shout outs for that and congratulations. But this is not the Wendell Green of last year. Um, Wendell took a couple of three pointers. He took one in fantastic rhythm. It was a great look that he didn't hit. But where we have had Wendell Green all season and where we had him tonight was as a focused driving player that did not shoot us out of a game. If you listen to the Auburn Jungle podcast at all last year, you remember us talking about the uh, logo threes and Wendell Green occasionally shooting us out of a game. That's just, he's not that guy this year. He is measured. He's patient. He involves the rest of the team almost to a fault. There, there are times we wish Wendell would be a little bit more aggressive because he's such a fantastic driving guard. But this was just another game where Wendell played within himself, got his points at the line, and was a foundation of this of this basketball team. Yes. Uh, I, I thought he was the only, again, the only guy that was aggressive enough and assertive enough offensively and confident enough with a little bit of Auburn swagger to him. Um, and he he made things happen. I think he's in this weird place. We've talked about it on the pod a lot. He's trying to distribute. He's trying to get guys involved. He's trying not to overforce his offense. And we love that. But as we've seen this season play out, we clearly need him to be the guy a lot of times, more than we would have wanted uh, early in the season. So I think he's feeling that process out. He stepped up in a big way in the second half, um, really in all phases, I thought. Yeah, and the tricky part for Wendell is because of his size, he does rely on there being space on the floor. Um, You got to watch an opportunity uh, with Memphis last week where a short guard I believe their uh, starting point guard was uh, only six feet. So he's only an inch or two taller than Wendell, but he had space because of the way that we like to play man up switching everybody defense where he was able to find creases and find lanes. And what other teams have gotten really good at for Auburn is denying Wendell that. And the way we open those lanes for Wendell is having somebody at the two, three position that can score from mid range. And again, part of the reason why he's our MVP is tonight. That guy was Jalen Williams. Two of three from the three-point line, eight of 11 from the floor, just impossibly efficient. And uh, he was who forced the defense to play disciplined, play sound, and that gave Wendell the opportunity to attack, to drive to the lane, and to hit 11 of 15 free throws. Yeah, no, you're right. We just need a couple guys. And, and tonight, Jalen was a guy who stretched the floor. Honestly, he missed two easy shots. He, he could have easily been 10 of 11 tonight. And, and I mean, he, he just... Jalen has those moments where I, as much as I love him, it's just sometimes a little harder than it has to be. And it does feel like things are slowing down for him. And he is, he's just, it's hard for him to be aggressive as aggressive as I think we need him to be. Um, I'm sure Bruce is just hammering that like he did with Chuma took two years really to get Chuma kind of where we wanted him aggressively wise out of that same position power forward. Um, But man, thankful that Jalen and Wendell, had the games they had they were they were calm and yet had a little edge to them and oh yeah I felt like a lot of our other players especially early you were big on the energy you know first half pretty disappointing after a loss uh not I don't really get on the energy from a I don't think it's not like they weren't trying right I think we always when people say oh they didn't have any energy well they're out there playing college basketball like they're they're trying but just that extra level of intensity that we have to play with, especially on defense, and to get some easy buckets, just wasn't there. And One I of the things that we love about Bruce is Bruce sticks with his starting team. 
And he sticks with his guys and he trusts his guys and he trusts his players. And one of the disadvantages of that is we can find ourselves in a little bit of a rut like we did early tonight and like we have the last couple of weeks. But what we saw from Bruce game plan wise tonight was a willingness to shake things up. And I think that made a little bit of a difference. You had some guys playing in some different positions, getting some different minutes, uh, some different rotations. We saw our starting five all back out there together at a pretty key moment uh, towards the end of the first half where we don't normally see that rotation. We normally see four or five with an additional scoring person who's in there. Generally, it's kind of who's the hot hand. A lot of times it's Flanagan. Um, occasionally it's Dylan. But tonight we actually got our starting five back out there on the floor again, um, in part because we needed some stops. So tonight was a really interesting night if you're into the nuts and bolts of basketball because we got to watch Bruce throw some different things at a team. And I think that was part of what helped us be successful. Great point. Um, you know, Bruce says he's not like that, but the our time watching him, he he's very hesitant to really move a lot of stuff around. He clearly has been troubled by the offense at times and, and then maybe some of the defensive letdowns in the last game against Memphis. So if you're, you know, if, if you didn't get to watch the game, one of the big things that came out, Katie Johnson was uh, sat out from this game, coach's decision. Uh, he said it would just be one game. There's rumors of what happened, perhaps so an altercation of some kind. We can't confirm that because we're not journalists. But he did not play, which opened the door for a lot of this change. They moved Chance back to the 2-3 on the wing. Um, your guy, Trey, shout out to our soothsayer, Ben Young, who it, it is possible that Trey Donaldson could start against USC with if Wendell can't go. Like, that is a real possibility. Um, so, and I would like to remind everyone, again, how dangerous Wendell was off of the bench last year, in part because I, we're, we're, we've been seeing it again and again and again. If you watch the starting rotation – you know where Bruce wants the points to come from. He wants them to come from the point guard and the center. Everyone else is moving around those two parts, and they are the focus of the offense. Everyone else that's in there is in there because they're a fantastic on-ball defender. They play disciplined, and they know how to hit their assignments. So that was part of what made Wendell Green so dangerous last year. He could come off the bench as this incredible talent and really have fresh legs coming into the game. I don't expect that to be the case as soon as Wendell becomes healthy, but that's definitely going to be something we watch going forward. And yeah, I, I'm sorry. I don't know how we let ourselves get this far into the podcast before we talked about Katie Johnson sitting tonight. Yeah, I mean, you hope it's just a freak thing. Something happened in practice. Bruce wasn't happy about it. Um, maybe after the Memphis game, who knows? You know, who knows what happened behind closed doors? But Katie was sat out. And honestly, I think the first half, you saw the lack of that fire. You know, Katie just brings this certain thing off the bench that's really hard to replicate. And even against a team like Georgia State, it just felt like we didn't quite have it. So Lior played, 11 guys played with KD out. Uh, Lior played some, Chance played a little bit, and didn't play point guard minutes, which opened the door for Trey to do so. And then Trey's playing the two because he played so well down the stretch. Um, second half. We saw, Trey, we, we saw Trey really emerge as a defensive player in this game. That's been one of his major liabilities. Um, all of the young guys, honestly, have looked lost uh, at times or even frequently on defense. We saw that uh, a good bit tonight from Johan. Yep. Um, once again, it just seems if he gets caught in transition, he doesn't quite know where he needs to be on the floor. But uh, Trey made some fantastic defensive plays. Uh, he made a, a, a steal at the end that honestly should have helped put the game away, but we weren't quite able to finish at the bucket. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, he hit, uh, he hit a three-point shot before Chance Westry. <laughs> and I mentioned in our group chat, if anyone wants to have 
uh, taken that bet before the season. I think I would have been the only one to say that. Uh, unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, it, and I think we've all liked what we've seen from Trey. And the question was, was he going to be in that rotation? And as chance has continued to struggle and just not quite be there, they're going to try to play him on the wing, which is his natural spot. I think they thought his skill set could be used as a backup point guard a little bit. And that just didn't really, we haven't really seen a ton of fruit from it. So Trey, and I guarantee you, the coolest thing about Trey for me, he made play, he, he, he battled, he plays like a Bruce Pearl player. You know, he, he wants to be out there. He handled not playing the last few games super well. It looked like on the bench, he was engaged. He didn't, he's not ducking his head, but when he got his chance today, he went out and played in a game where a lot of guys were hesitant, were a little nervous. He came off the bench and he just said, no, nah, like I'm good. And I think Bruce intentionally rewarded that attitude and that approach. And he rewarded. Now he fouled two, three point shooters. He had a turnover or two there where at least one that was pretty key there late. But again, I think Bruce was willing to ride with him because he brought something to the table in the second half that this team really needed. Yeah, particularly offensively. I mean, you look at the stat sheet, you can, you can see the story right there. Zip Jasper over three from the field. Uh, over three uh, from three pointer, and the same thing for Chance Westry. Over three from the field, and over one. So you have your two guys that you would consider kind of your main two guards, mm-hmm. who you got absolutely nothing out of. And we're used to between twelve and fifteen points a night from Katie Johnson out of that spot. Yep. Uh, so great for Trey. Great development for this team. He, I think he's at the very minimum made his case to be the backup point guard again and kind of win that spot back. Um, and we'll see. I mean, we may be relying on him. And honestly, the way he plays, his toughness, um, he cares. He, he gives a lot of effort. I think I think there's definitely a spot. I mean, we're playing all these guys. I, I just want some guys to not look scared on offense. And Trey did that tonight from a rotation spot that we just wouldn't have expected. So he is not the MVP. And I would have fought you tooth and nail if you had tried to give it to him <laughs> over Jalen. No, no, no. He made some he made some he made some boneheaded mistakes. And again, like that's the thing you love about guys like Chris Moore and Jalen Williams. We don't always get exactly what we need out of them, which we didn't offensively from Chris Moore tonight. Um, but defensively, we certainly did. Uh, but uh, offensively, we want between, you know, eight and ten points out of both of those guys. Well, good news. We got 20 points out of Jalen Williams tonight. I think tonight was the first night we saw Cancun Jalen come back. So uh, whatever hangover from COVID he had is long gone. We've got to have it, man. And and you know, Johan is what it is. He's not there right now. Um, we have got to have Jalen playing consistently. And, and either Bruce has got to call his number to get him the ball, like he used to with Chuma. He had to call a lot of offense to get Chuma involved. Or Jalen has to get more aggressive. Um, and I hope his confidence is building. Um, he He's clearly – I don't know what your thoughts are. For me, we need a couple guys outside of Wendell to just be more consistent on offense. We need more consistent production. And to me, the guys that are ready to do that as we enter SEC play in a few weeks, Jalen is one. Um, Flanagan could be one, although it just doesn't quite seem to be there yet consistently. And, I mean. Well, we can tell you who the guy that Bruce wants it to be. Bruce wants it to be Janai. I mean, if you look at the minute breakdown tonight, the guy that played the fewest minutes outside of uh, Chance and Leo, who were just completely ineffective, Dylan Cardwell. Did yeah. not see the floor a ton tonight, and I'm I'm always kind of shocked by that. I feel like he's one of our more underutilized players from yeah. an offensive standpoint, in part because when Dylan typically comes onto the floor, he's coming on with 
Flanagan and a lot of these other guys in the three, four position that you think of uh, more as your traditional scorers. KD is usually on the floor with him and KD is uh, a score first guard. So Dylan is usually there to kind of be the cleanup and rebound guy, but he, uh, the last couple of games, I feel like he's kind of been underutilized in that offensive set. Yeah, we really don't, you know, I mean, we really don't run anything for him. He got a, he got a good look from, I think Trey actually uh, kind of ahead oh, yeah. of, the, of the game and he got a good lay in there. Um, you're right. And you've been on this all year. Um, Broom, they, they really, I think like all of us, like we see the potential, we see the moves, we see the the great blocks. Block party came back tonight, by the way, 11 blocks. Oh, yes. Lead the country in blocks. Shout out, Jackson. There you go. But Janai ended up with 13 and seven uh, on eight shots, which is awesome. But he just disappeared for a lot of the game. He, he started out kind of strong and then he finished really strong. I think we wore Georgia State down a little bit by the end. Um but, but more importantly, we got obliterated on the boards for the second straight week by inferior yeah. competition. We finished with 26 rebounds. Uh, Georgia State finished with 35. They had 15 offensive rebounds to our seven. They doubled us up in offensive rebounds. That's a big problem. That, that, yeah. that, that can't happen. It did. The only thing I would say in their defense, it did feel like a game where the ball was just constantly. Sometimes you play these games, the ball just kept bouncing to them with some weird now, look, we still would have gotten out-rebounded. You know, I'm, that's not why we lost the rebounding battle. But there were a lot of plays where we were we would make a hustle play, somebody tips the ball, and then all of a sudden it, it ends up in the hands of a Georgia State guy under the basket, and we're scrambling because we're out of position. Um, it felt like one of those games that a lot, just those 50-50 balls didn't quite go our way a lot. But there's no excuse and for that. we also didn't shoot a ton of threes tonight, which is yeah. very unusual for us. We shot 12 three-pointers overall. <laughs> three of 12 by the by if you're curious 25 percent, still just abysmal three-point shooting um but we were officially also going the, officially the worst sec three-point shooting team the auburn tigers oh yeah and we were going against the worst sunbelt free, uh, three-point <laughs> shooting team they finished slightly ahead of us they were five for 17 overall but the other advantage they had on those 17 three-point shots was they had a ton of offensive rebounds where they got the put back yeah wait so i mean look how do you win a game like this when it's ugly? You you get to the line. Auburn did. The, the, the percentage really dipped. But for most of the game, we were making our free throws, and we were getting offense there when we couldn't get offense anywhere else. We won turnovers. Um, we won points off. You know, uh, we, we did – we blocked a lot of shots. I think you were right. The blocks were huge. Um, so we found a way. But, man, you just – I don't – like, I'm a positive, like, pretty neutral person, but – I don't think anybody can deny some significant worries with our offense. Um, And we just don't seem to have the right identity or the right answers yet with this group. I think they're still figuring, I I really think it's probably caught the coaches off guard where Chance and Johan are. I I think that has probably, they've, and and Janai, and, and how we're getting shots at the rim every game that we just, Oh yeah. Finish. And, the, the statistical part of me says that can't continue all year. Like surely we're going to start finishing some of these, but at this point we've kind of seen a lot of that this year. Yeah. And you saw it a ton from other players besides our centers. We saw it from Flanagan. Yep. Flanagan had two huge dunks at the end of this game to put it away. Kind of the first time he got to really flash his athleticism all game. But prior to that, he was 0 for three and that included two close finishes right around the rim. We saw Chris Moore, 
uh, struggle inside and draw a couple of charges trying to finish close to the rim. Yep. So it's not just a it's not just a Janai thing. Um, uh, Johan also zero for two, uh, both Jaylen. kind of inside inside easy games. shots. I mean, Jalen was missing them. Uh, I, I, everybody missed some 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 easier shots, you know. Uh, so it's a problem. Um, Chance Chance keeps getting inside and making some decent moves, but just he has not shown the ability to finish in traffic or at the rim against taller defenders yet. And sometimes that takes a little bit to develop, but um, it's a problem. Well, one of the things has been go ahead. Yeah, and it's been interesting to watch Chance too because one of the things that seems the most polished part of his game right now is his assist game. But that's not showing up in the box score very often because a lot of times he's catching guys off guard with his ability to see them. You'll have a guy like Jalen or Johan or Chris Moore be close to the rim and he finds them, but they weren't ready to go up and take the shot. Um, We've been kind of seeing that a little bit from Jalen Williams all year where he's in great position to score. He's one-on-one. He's getting the look that we want, but he doesn't realize (laughs) that that's what everything was building to was that moment to take the right. shot. Um, right. We finally got him in that second half to start to do that. You would see these moments where we got him one-on-one inside. And he's like, all right, I'm really close. I'm six foot eight. I'm going to the cup. Well, and, and those, you know, I just, I know it so well from watching all these years, a lot of those where you see him in the mid post or you see him kind of in the lane with those leaners and those floaters. I mean, those are Bruce calls, whether it's off of a, a baseline out of bounds, they are, they are running that entire set to get him isolated there. And, and if he doesn't shoot that ball, he's running in practice. You know what I mean? Like it, you, this is what we're working. If it's only like, it reminds me of the, um, that we run an out of bounds play for our center. We did it with Kessler a lot and in Cardwell, even oh, some yeah. this year where it, it literally the only play on it is a lob to the center. And it's like, you're five feet away, shoot the ball. I'm giving you a look here. Don't, you know, don't mess it up. And um, they're going to have to just force feed, and Bruce is, I really think, and you saw the adjustment. You mentioned adjustments before we started recording. Second half, I saw a lot more Bruce-directed offense. Now, part of that was because it was probably in front of him on that side of the floor, a little easier to do. Um, but I just think he's going to have to kind of dictate some of that. I don't think that's where his teams are usually at their best. But at this point, we've got to get, get some guys going. And I think Coach, he, he tends to have a good feel for that. And I think he has a point guard that can really run that system. Um, Zeb Jasper is our starting point guard last year. May not have been that guy as much, mm-hmm. but Wendell, there, there's something about the way he's seeing the floor this year. That's just different. The, the maturation is obvious when you watch every aspect of his game. And that's been a huge part of it. And then tonight, um, a lot of the time, I feel like we had that in Trey as well, when he came out there and was playing the backup point. And to be fair to chance again, I think chance has seen a lot of that as well too there's just something about the the combination of the rotations that his assists have not been resulting in buckets. So they don't go on the box score. So you don't see about these amazing passes and this amazing vision that he has, but um, credit to Bruce and the rest of the squad tonight uh, on the coaching element of it, because they actually did make some adjustments that I know were probably tough for them to make uh, because we needed it. Uh, you're right. Uh, and, and that's not always our strong suit. You made a great point. I don't remember. I don't think this was on the recording so we can say it again. Uh, I, I, he, he, he is loyal to a fault to his players and it's a great, he, he has always been a coach that instills confidence in his guys, even if they shouldn't be that confident. That's always been his MO. If you go back to Tennessee and even before Tennessee, like he gets guys to think they can shoot. He gets Horace Spencer to think he could shoot a three (laughs) to go send Auburn to a final four. Now that's a little bit of hyperbole, but 
he wants guys to confidently play, especially on offense. Like if you play your butt off on defense, I'm going to give you some, some free reign. And it drives us crazy as fans sometimes, but I'm just not seeing that. And honestly, the guy I saw it from besides Wendell and Jalen, who were good, Trey came in and gave us a little spark. He pushed the ball up against a little three quarter court pressure they were doing and got us some good looks. He wasn't scared to throw a pass because he didn't want to turn it over. He did once, but like, I just thought he played with a certain fearlessness that is kind of like what our teams are supposed to look like. And maybe that can be something that sparks other guys around him. Who knows? I think so. And again, to put everything in a broader perspective, this is where we thought last year's team would be to, to no small degree. We had a lot of new faces. We were uh, starting some, some freshmen in some unusual places and freshmen were seeing some serious minutes and we weren't really sure what we had but it looked good in a lot of the early non-conference stuff. This team hasn't had that advantage. This team has, you know, they've struggled. They've had one game where they, they just about got ran out of the gym um, by what is clearly a very good Memphis team, by the way. Sure. Um, so I, 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 I'm still pretty sell on this team overall. I think they might have an outside shot at maybe winning the SEC tournament if the cards fall kind of in the right position. Um, I, I don't know that this team strikes me as a banner team, but I, I saw some adjustments tonight and some willingness to do new things that gives us the opportunity to say this team hasn't established its identity yet. They may have some tricks up their sleeve yet. Yeah, I, I agree. I, and and look, I think anybody realistic kind of knew. Honestly, I was shocked this team was ranked as highly as they were preseason because it just felt like there was going to be a little bit of a drop off. Um and, and it, there probably will be. But the fun thing about basketball is it's it's really one game at a time and you got to play 18 of them in the SEC. And you kind of just have you take every matchup as it comes. I don't think this is a championship team either. Um, but that's why they play the games. And Bruce has a pretty strong track record. And some of these guys won that league last year. So now but I'm not seeing the same uh, in t- swagger. Like the I'm I'm not worried about the intensity and the energy. I think that will come as the games get bigger. I'm worried about like who's not scared when they get out there and somebody's got to hit a shot. You know, I, I when you start overthinking on offense, especially when it comes to shooting, it just gets in your head. And I just I felt like I saw it so clearly at times in the first half tonight that nobody was comfortable. Everybody was pushing and and pushing, you know, stressing a little bit. I mean, it's the thing that we've all been screaming all year, which is that we need we need Jalen to be this guy. Yeah. Um, Jalen's been, Jalen's been quieter. He's been a 10 point, you know, six assists, six rebounds doing his job tonight. That's not going to be good enough. If this team wants to achieve everything that, um, yeah. they clearly still think that they can. We thought that guy might be Janai. Um, some teams have figured some stuff out about Janai. Uh, they've figured some stuff out about how we're trying to get the ball down inside and how to play when he is on the floor. Um, he brought the block party back tonight. He brought the defensive intensity that I don't think we had from him against Memphis, but offensively, you know, 13 to 15 points, maybe all that we can expect from him in SEC play. He's going to be going up against guys like Castleman. He's going to be going up against some real, real talented athletes out there. And we not, may not be able to get 20 points from him, but there's not a whole lot of people that are going to be able to match up well against Jalen Williams. If we can get him one-on-one and convince him that he is the guy that needs to score. Right. We got to believe like I do. People, we <laughs> Jalen to believe. So you, you kind of made, you know, a good point. Like it, it doesn't look great. And we're going to learn a lot about this team, uh, how they handle the next couple 
you know, you're, you're going to the West Coast to play Power 5 teams, and then we come back and play Florida to start SEC play. So, like, this is not probably where everybody wanted to be um, feeling about this team, especially on the offensive end, but it is where we are. And the, the great thing, the only thing I wanted to point out, I always look for – I used to coach middle school ball, so I don't know anything, but I'm just saying when you – when you, I thought our bench, including KD, by the way, who wasn't dressed out but was there on the bench, I thought coming out in the second half, Chris Moore got the team together before they started and had an extra huddle, as you would expect the glue guy, the leader, to do, and the bench was immediately engaged in a different way than they were in the first half. So can this adversity be a little bit of a rallying thing for them to just cut it loose. Like, I don't care if you're the defense, just go play, you know, and, and have a little um, play like a Bruce Pearl team, you know, like, I think that's going to be something as much as the shooting and the, you know, the X's and O's, like we've got to get out of our heads a little bit. Um, so that's what I'm going to be tracking. You, you talk a lot about uh, something that's become one of my favorite things to watch in college basketball generally which is the, the race to that final TV timeout. Yes. Because you feel like you have a ton of time left. Usually it's around three to four minutes, which, you know, in, in sports terms, feels like an eternity. In college basketball terms, it is not, my friends. And if you're at a 10-point lead or greater at that final TV timeout, you need some Herculean effort to really overcome that. You need some fantastic defense, and you need every single shot you make to be good and to go in. And or, one of the things that I think we're learning – oh, go ahead. Or you collapse as the team up 10 and you start turning it over and missing all your free throws. That that could happen to Yeah, me. yeah, yeah. And I, I told Matt uh, coming out of that, I said, you know what? We're in a position where if we can go two for two, that's going to that's gonna get us across the finish line. And guess what exactly we did? We had four possessions back-to-back where we went two for two. Georgia State made some plays and scored some points. But we were able to get Janai close looks inside. He was able to tap them in and improve his overall score and shooting percentage. And that was enough to get us across that finish line. But the only reason we were able to get there was because we reached that final timeout with enough of a lead that we said, hey, all we got to do is keep this thing on life support. You don't have to, you don't need any kind of heroic efforts. We need everybody to go out there and do their job for three minutes. And we're going to walk out of here with a win. And if there is a formula for this team, that is it. We need to be, as we approach the final five minutes of a game, it's still got to be close. If it's still got to be close, this team has a puncher's chance. We have enough talent and enough athleticism that we can slip some looks. Um, We can play intense, incredible defense with whatever five we have out there on that floor. Um, And you never know who that defensive effort is going to come from. A lot of times it's been KD this year. We've had a, a few great moments from Dylan that we saw against Memphis with some key blocks. Uh, we had those moments tonight from Trey Donaldson. Yep. We had some real lockdown defense. We had some fantastic turnovers. Um, so that's that's going to be the method for this team going forward. Totally agree. I know you're on a little bit of a time crunch. Any, anything else you want to uh, <laughs> share uh, before you, you depart? You know, you said that uh, this is not where a lot of Auburn fans wanted to be. I think 9-1 is pretty good. I'm trying real hard to look on the rosy side of, uh, of this team. It is. It's not too long ago that we would have killed for nine and one, which I know doesn't make anybody feel better about our shooting percentages. But uh, it is nice to be winning. And that Memphis loss, as as ugly and, and disappointing, especially on the defensive end, as I think it was, you know, Memphis went toe to toe with Bama. They 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 look like a pretty good team this year. I think they're a tournament team for sure. And, um, you know, we're it. We yeah, the only thing you got to remember is for sure. 
Yeah, and the other thing you got to remember is this is uh, finals are over. This is the last game before Christmas break. So a lot of distractions, a lot of potential for guys to, you know, just write this one off. And we saw a team get punched in the mouth early. We were down at the half, and uh, they rallied, they came out, they played, they won. There's something to be said for that uh, in the maturation of a young team that's still trying to figure out their identity. So, uh, Matt, I think this is where I'm going to leave you. You're going to give the fans a little bit of a West Coast preview. Did, did, uh, did we get any fan questions sent our way? Uh, that is a great question. And my phone is over there. You probably saw me moving. My computer was about to die <laughs> because the charger, the board I usually use wasn't working. So I had to move. So I don't actually can't check. So, but do keep in, interacting with us. Um, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to talk for a few minutes, then we'll wrap this episode up. So Ben, thank you for jumping on and uh, War Eagle. We'll see you on the West coast. Not really. But War Eagle, on. Matt, see you in LA. <laughs> see you, man. So the only other thing I wanted to point out about the game in particular is there was a key moment in the second half. You know, Auburn kind of punched back and had some energy to start the half. Uh, but then there was a terrible technical foul called on Alan Flanagan. Like, it, just disgusting. They got the ball and two free throws in the lead. I believe this is when this happened. Six-point lead for Georgia State in the second half in Neville Arena. And Auburn just at that point was just not doing anything significant offensively. Jalen hits a three, and over, I would say, probably like six or seven or eight minutes, Auburn flipped a six-point deficit lead, and then they were able to nurse that lead home the rest of the way. So I did want to just point that out. It was a really good second-half run, but it wasn't right out of halftime. They kind of got punched again and then made their way back, and a lot of guys contributed to that. So, you know, Auburn's numbers, if you're looking at the rankings or at Ken Palm or um, – you know, any of those, any of those metrics are, aren't very good for the preseason expectations. Now they're nine and one. Uh, they have successfully maintained their non-conference home winning streak. That's the last home non-conference game of the year, surprisingly, uh, going to uh, the West coast for the next two and then to West Virginia later in the year. And then it's sec play. So we, we did that. That was a positive and it's going to be really interesting to see how this team handles Pac-12 teams, uh, USC and Washington. Um, I'm not going to pretend to have done a lot of scouting over on the, you know, on those teams yet. Um, I believe, let me pull up, make sure I don't lie to you guys. Uh, I believe the USC game is Sunday night, 5.30 Eastern, um, 2.30 West Coast, for those, if anybody's listening on the West Coast. So that USC game is going to be really telling. Um, I know USC has had, you know, some good moments this year. I believe they went to overtime with Tennessee. Um, Tennessee's been a pretty good team this year overall. So how Auburn has just looked uneven, especially on offense. How do they handle, you know, USC and Washington? Um, how do they handle being away from Neville Arena in – I'm not. they're probably not going to be um, great road environments uh, given the time of year and just my kind of my expectations for what the crowd will be like. But how do they handle it? Um, can they build some confidence? I do think these two games in the West Coast represent a great opportunity for the team to kind of have some moments together. You know, can they come back with a couple wins and really get some momentum going before they try to defend their SEC title? Um, can they find some offense? Can Jalen play consistently? Really curious about Wendell Green. Um, it, I hope that was just kind of looked maybe worse than it will look tomorrow maybe. You know, sometimes ankles are weird. Um, sometimes they can, you know, 
be okay in a little bit if you keep some weight on it. it just it concerns me how little weight he was able to put on it had a shoe off didn't come back in uh, the game was pretty well in hand at that point but just stinks you know again stinks to have a close game against Georgia State where your starting point guard is still out there and somebody runs into his ankle and you know but that's the kind of the risk you have when you're in a close game uh, it would have been nice to have the starters out by that point but it didn't happen so you know offensively I'm just it, it's it's very interesting we're shooting less threes than any Auburn team I can remember under Bruce we're attacking tonight. We won uh, points in the paint, 44 to 28. So clearly getting the ball inside is, is such a huge factor, whether it's Wendell Green on the drive, other guards driving inside. We're, we're running more post-ups than we've ever run. Uh, we're running more high-low than I think we've ever run uh, on offense. So there's clearly an effort from the staff to not rely on the three because it's clearly not a strength. Um, again, statistically, so far the worst team in the SEC from the three-point line which is so unlike Bruce's teams. They shoot a lot of threes. They don't always have the highest percentage, but but they're, you know, effective. They hit enough to be effective. It's always been part of our offense. So I really, I just feel like with the lack of production offensively from Johan and Chance, uh, Flanagan hasn't shown consistently to be able to score. He's shown some flashes, and maybe it's a result of playing a 10-man rotation, and he just hasn't shown it yet. Maybe it's going to come. He looks healthy. He looks athletic. He's defending at a high level. Uh, most of the time, I just there needs to be a couple guys to step up. Wendell Green's going to do his thing if he's healthy. You know, he's going to score. He's going to stir the drink, if you will. He's going to have his moments. Uh, I think he is a very confident guy. He, he's very confident in his abilities. I think he wants to prove that he can really play better in SEC play as for the whole year. You know, he kind of struggled the second half of conference play last year. Um, who is going to join him? Who, who is going to step up and be able to help him out consistently? Uh, I will say, Katie being out tonight, whatever your opinion on Katie Johnson is, he is at least a weapon in his own way. He is a very unique weapon, and I really don't really want to play many games without him. I think he brings something that's very unique, that fits our culture, fits our defensive kind of havoc style we're going to have to play this year. So hopefully whatever happened is a minor thing. Everybody moves on. He comes back for this USC game, doesn't miss a beat. Um, uh, you know, hopefully that is the case. I did want to point out Auburn ended up shooting 51% from the field in this game, which they hit a lot of twos down the stretch, especially in the second half. Ended up scoring 44 in the second half. So it did get better. Second half was a good response from this team. Um, you know, it's, it's never going to be pretty with this. I just don't see an offensive renaissance from this team where it just looks beautiful all the time, but if the defense can stay solid and they can clean up the rebounding that has been a problem the last two games, and then just add a little more efficient, confident offense and just build some momentum, have a couple guys hit some outside shots. This team can still be pretty good. Um, my main thing, I'm just so glad we avoided the loss in a, in a Q Q4, quad four game, that, that would have been really hurtful to lose at home uh, for a lot of reasons. Uh, all the streaks are great. You know, it's just, it wouldn't have been good <laughs> for this team's resume to lose this one. So Auburn wins nine and one. Uh, get ready for USC and Washington. We're going to really start to see um, where this team's at again. USC, that game is 530 Eastern uh, on Sunday, the 18th. I believe it's on ESPN2. I think that's right. 
And then they play uh, Washington on Wednesday, the 21st. And then uh, they'll have a few days off for Christmas, come back home, and they'll get ready for the SEC opener on Wednesday, the 28th against Florida. So we are, we are there, friends. We are at the big games. So hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you guys for listening, for engaging with us. Um, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, all that good stuff. Um, keep sending us questions, comments, um, all sorts of good stuff. We're really enjoying having you guys along with us. Hope you're enjoying the episodes. Shout out again to our MVP tonight in this victory, my guy, Jalen Williams and War Eagle, everybody.